2: And welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host and also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here with my guest today, Laurel. Hi, Laurel.
3: Hello. Welcome to Future Rich. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So do you want to give us uh, and our listeners a background? Of, um, how old are you? Where are you from? What do you do for work? All
3: that jazz. Sure. So, I'm 36. I'm married. I have a four-year-old and I live in New Haven, Connecticut. I work at a local um, college here as an academic advisor and yeah, that's kind of the basics.
2: Very nice. Yeah. Um, so how are things been with COVID? Are you working remote or? Yes.
3: So I am working remotely. Thank goodness I still have a job. Um, my husband still works as well, but I am home um, all the time, working full time and taking care of my daughter since we no longer have childcare. So it's been interesting, <laughs> to well, say the least.
2: Been tough because now you have because she's a toddler, so I'm yes. sure she's active.
3: Yes, she is very active and she seems to have a sixth sense for when I need to make phone calls and somehow need something critically in that moment. So, um, yes, fortunately, I've been able to kind of shift my hours a little bit to then allow for me to be able to do some of the more personal piece of my job after my husband gets home because he works um, out in the field. He works for a local utility company. So, um, when he gets home, then we're able to kind of Tag team it a little bit better.
2: So. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so since so he's not working from home because
3: with the utility company,
2: he's still out in the field. Yeah. Essentially. Yep. Okay, great. And so then I have a cheat sheet here in front of me for, but the listeners don't see it. So it's um, so you are making about fifty thousand a year. Is that correct?
3: Yes. So I'm salaried. So my income is very consistent, if nothing else. So. Um, so no matter what I, that's my take home, um, my husband's income ranges, he has a base pay, but since he does work overtime, he is hourly. So his income does vary somewhat, mm-hmm. um, not drastically, but, um, it just kind of depends on the week a little bit.
2: Okay. But so between, um, and your husband averages about a hundred thousand 110,000 a year, give or take? Yes.
3: Yeah, so that's what it's been um, the last few years. So that seems to be kind of our new normal.
2: Our new normal. That's fantastic. Okay, great. It seems like um, you're both saving for retirement. So you're both putting in 15% to your work retirement plans.
3: Yes. So we do um, both set aside. He has a 401k, K have a 403b. He's started much younger than I did so he is doing much better. He also makes more than I do. So um but yes, we've both been putting that away. We just started um our Roth IRAs this year, which I'm very excited about, which I've learned more about from listening to you. So I feel like this is a oh, good going in um to be doing that in addition to our traditional savings for the retirement.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um and so so 15%. Now you don't have a match, right? With yours, usually the school. Oh,
3: I, um, I have actually, I just looked it up for this. It depends on how long I am at my employer. I've been there eight years. So they do contribute 8%. Um, when you're between five and 10 years, that's the match. It was up from seven. My husband has some kind of matching, but he didn't know what it was exactly. And I don't, couldn't find the paperwork. <laughs> you get some kind of a match as well. So,
2: oh, so that's fantastic. So, then between the two of you, um you're each contributing 15%, and you're getting a match. So, that puts you well over 20%, which is a great number. I love to see saving for retirement over 20%. Yes. So, that's fantastic. And that's not including what you just started with the ross And great. yeah, and you're, um, so you have in yours. 87,000. Um, and then your husband has about 360,000. Correct. Um, And, but we also have a pension,
3: which is, which also we don't have the specifics on. I just know that it has to do with, um, I think it has to do with also like your highest years of earning. They calculate that into it and how long you've been with the company. He's already been with the company for 15 years, I believe. Um, so, yeah, there's some kind of pension, but we don't have the specifics. I'm also not counting on that since I know that, I don't know, we'll see. Things can get dicey at times. I don't want to just bank on that, especially not having the specifics. I'd rather go off of kind of the hard numbers. That'll be just kind of icing on the cake for us, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pensions are fantastic, but usually there are, um, There's tiers. So, like, you know, uh, with some of the governments, it's at what, you know, when you join, what your tier is, and your tier determines what the benefits are. Then there's also how they calculate how much you get. So, sometimes it's the average of three years, no, and you can't have one particular year that's greater than a certain percentage. So, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And typically, what I say for people who um, are going to be eligible for pension is when you get closer to that, they can kind of give you more of the details around it. And then as you get, I would say within five years of retirement, you kind of want to have a better idea of what it's what you're eligible for. And then as you get closer, they can give you more concrete numbers. And usually you have um, a department, you know, a benefits department you can go and sit down with and um, they can go over a way to approximate what you'll get in retirement. But yeah, I agree with you. Icing on the cake that combined with social security and then your own savings is a great place to be. So Mm -hmm. good to plan to, to not have it, but also it's a nice, um, nice source of income in retirement. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. And I like the idea that you're going to start, you're starting to do the Roth as well. So did you hear our little episode with Alex? My friend Alex is also an advisor where we talked about pros and cons of,
3: of the Roth. Yes, I did actually um But yeah, I actually I think it's good to diversify, and I think to have something that's post tax mixed with all the pre tax, just because you don't know what the future will hold, um and that it's not taking away from us putting our pre tax money away as well. I think it's good to kind of do both. So I'm excited I about
2: think yeah, it. and so I think that's fantastic that we you, you can do both. um So let's go over a little bit about your expenses. So. You have a mortgage, which is great. So you pay fifteen eighty. Um, you have childcare, but childcare. So right now you're not paying childcare.
3: Is that correct? Right now I am paying childcare. Oh, you so, are paying childcare. Yes. Care. So we actually do it through the congregation that we're a member of, and I think because they are religiously based, um, that it sounds like there might be some challenges with some of the employees being eligible for unemployment. Um, so they were still um you don't have to pay, but we were choosing to pay because they were trying to pay as many people who work there as they still could. So oh. yeah, so that's okay. what we decided to do since our, our income hasn't changed. It's still kind of a line item budget for us. So we are still paying, but it's optional at this point.
2: Got it. Okay, so you're still paying that. Um and then you have your five twenty nine for your daughter. Yes. Perfect, Um, which is great. So the 529, for those that don't know, that is a college savings program that is one of the most flexible um, in terms of how you can use it. And then once you save that money, you get a tax break while you're contributing, and then um, it's tax-free if used for um, qualified education expenses. And then you have utilities and um, cell phone bill, car insurance, and gas, but you have your cars paid off.
3: Both of our cars are paid off. Yes,
2: that's fantastic. So childcare is thirteen hundred. That's a, That's a big expense. I feel like for those that are planning on having children, um, I feel like the childcare expense sometimes gets underestimated. It
3: what is I, huge. I awesome. It is huge, and I can't even imagine. We we're one of the few, you know, families that only have one child. It seems like everybody, you know, was kind of in the two year plan, and they had you know multiple kids, and I just can't imagine paying. Double this plus, you know, diapers, food, all that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, it's much more expensive than I anticipated, and I have big plans for my childcare budget after we have one more year. We have pre-K, um, and then we're done. And I want to get your thoughts on that as well. So.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but to so give people a reference, your mortgage is fifteen eighty, and childcare is thirteen hundred. Yes. So it's like right. almost like two mortgages. It really um, is. Wait, yeah, and the people, I feel like, don't plan for that type of expense. I feel like they're like, oh, it'll be a couple hundred dollars. And you're like, nope. Yes. Uh, so, so your total budget comes to 5120 between mortgage, childcare, care, uh, saving for her reti- or her retirement, saving for her college, mm-hmm. um, cell phone, car insurance and gas, restaurants, groceries, and then miscellaneous. And then you have a great emergency fund. You have 45000 saved, basically, in a savings account, so we could probably earmark some of that as an emergency fund. Yes. And then you're just starting to do uh, the Roth IRAs.
3: Yes. So we just started that this year. We um, threw in 1500 for each of us.
2: And then, um, and just so I guess we'll give everyone, so you're taking home about $2,250 a month. Mm-hmm. And then your husband your husband ranges. So maybe we'll just stay on the lower end of the range, he's bringing home about 4800 a month.
3: Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: So then you definitely have some wiggle room within your budget.
3: Yes. So what I have been doing. um, So part of my plan is I really want to pay off our house sooner than we would otherwise. So um, I I pay an extra $500 a month towards our mortgage. Currently, I was doing $100, and then I was doing $200. And then just a few months ago, I bumped it up to $500. And it hasn't been as painful as I thought. <laughs> so that's my plan to keep with it. Because my ultimate plan, well, I have a few things um, that I was thinking about. But after childcare is done, after next year, I want to put that money towards our mortgage and pay it off in five years.
2: Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because you're bringing in on a, on the low end, depending on your husband's overtime, you're bringing in about 7,000 a month and your bills are about 5,100. So you have Mm -hmm. wiggle room. And I mean, that's not including anything fun, right? Yes, with your Oh Yeah. That's the
3: thing. Yeah. Because yeah, Right. So yeah, I figure we're used to not having that as expendable income. So to just keep living how we are, and especially during this time of COVID and being trapped at home, <laughs> it makes me feel so fortunate that we have, our, you know, we have a home and we have our jobs and also just not, I mean, this has been my plan, obviously, before COVID as well, but just the kind of freedom and security. I really like the idea of the whole fire community. Um, yes. Financial independence and to be able to own it. And essentially, we've been in our house eight years, but it'd be like 14 years. So it'd be like half of our mortgage. And then we would have, you know, more money to save for the future or for other things that come up. And also, my husband, he makes much more than I do. Heaven forbid something ever happen with his income. I can't cover things, you know. So to even be able to pay it down would make me feel better
2: about things. Yeah, absolutely. you know you bring up a, a very good point that yeah, the income is, you know, he brings in almost dub- a little more than double on the mm-hmm. low end. Mm-hmm. but do you have do like, you both have
3: life insurance? We do, yes. So um we have through our employer and then I think my husband pays for like two times his annual salary or you know, something supplemental is taken out of his and then I have enough to essentially pay off our house. I have like a $250,000 policy type of a thing that would cover okay, okay, that. Right. Okay. At least whoever, heaven forbid something happened, whoever is here would be okay and be able to stay here.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Cause that's, that's something that definitely is a concern. So I'm glad that you both have life insurance so that if God forbid something happened, one of you could pay off the mortgage. But I love the idea of keeping that as a line item once your daughter's in in pre-K and you don't have that $1,300 expense and putting that towards the mortgage. Cause then you're basically making double payments, actually more right. than double because you're already putting 500 towards principal. So right. then you'd be throwing a ton of money at it and then getting it done because then you wouldn't have any debt. Because as you said, you know, before we spoke, you've already paid off your student loan debt, which is great. And your husband didn't have any student loan debt. Is your, your husband right. is an electrician?
3: No, actually um, oh. he does. He did like a year of like electrical school and he Did a little bit of college, but he um, just kind of worked his way up, and he's been with his company for 15 years, and he marks out underground electrics, so um, he's not working, like, interior-wise, but he marks out streets, essentially, and construction sites and things like that, so... So yeah, so I did have, so I have a master's degree. So I paid my way all the way through school. Fortunately for my undergrad, my income was so low growing up that I basically was able to go to a state school um, and just take out very little in loans, I think less than $5,000. And then I took out like $55,000 for my master's degree. um, And then we basically um, money that gives me a lot of anxiety and money does too. So, um, I wanted to, we wanted to pay that off before our daughter was born. And so we essentially lived off my husband's income for three years to, and we put a hundred percent of my income towards it to be able to be debt free before the birth of our daughter, knowing that there'd be additional expenses. More expensive.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so no, I totally agree. I like, I really like the fire revolution. I, think that if you're willing to make those sacrifices and it's a personal choice, right? Because you're going to probably spend less money on vacation and eating out and those sort of things and, and stick to a stricter budget and getting that done. I think that's amazing because then now you have so much more money freed up in your budget because then you would eliminate the mortgage so you'll still have, you know, property taxes um, and insurance, but you won't have the mortgage payment, and um, and then you wouldn't have the childcare payment either. So you could really be freeing up. Gosh, I mean, it, I don't know what the the taxes and insurance are with the, with the mortgage. With the breakdown is on that, but it, it looks like you'd probably be freeing up two thousand dollars a month, if not more.
3: Yeah, I think we pay. I know we pay like four thousand a year for property taxes, somewhere around there. So I think it ends up being. Like three, almost three fifty a month, or something like that, and then whatever for insurance. Um, because I think out of our fifteen eighty a month, I think around a thousand or eleven 1, hundred is going towards the actual principal. Yeah, so then you'd free
2: up about probably twenty four hundred between childcare and getting rid of your principal and interest payment, okay. and then you would still have your taxes and your insurance. But yeah, that would be a huge change for your budget if you did that.
3: Yeah, and then I guess the other part of it for me is also I'm really um, concerned for the future that I I know that at some point we are going to be taking care of my mom when she can't work anymore, and she does not okay. have any kind of a savings account. I know she has debt. She hasn't really gone into the specifics with it, but she's 66 now. She's still working full time. She's still in good health. I don't foresee anything in the near future. Um, but... I do know that I don't think she has any kind of a plan for her future and I know it's going to ultimately fall to us to help her in some way. I'm not sure what that will look like so that's always kind of in the back of my mind as well to Mm -hmm. have some kind of safety net to be able to kind of help her
2: well, to make sure that you're in a good financial situation so that if she does need help, right, I would imagine. Yeah. So ha- so have you sat down and talked to your mom about that? Because that's always an interesting dynamic, right? Because it's a bit of a role reversal.
3: Yes. So, yeah. And so that is a challenging part to still be, yeah, to not be like the parent and not and I don't need her to tell me specifics or, you know, things like that. But I have expressed that I am worried because I know that she has debt. I know she lives Paycheck to paycheck, my she's my sister who's thirty five lives with her. She doesn't work. My sister doesn't, so she's supporting my sister Gosh. as well. Um, I do not. I do not plan on supporting my sister, but that's um, <laughs> something else that will have to be figured out for another day. But um, yeah, and so I have kind of expressed like, hey, I'm worried. I want like I want you to be able to retire at some point. I don't know if you'll ever be able to. She's alluded to her. I don't think she has any kind of a retirement savings. And I don't think she has even any general savings of any kind. Um, (laughs) We did buy a car for her a couple months ago because her last one died and she doesn't have good enough credit to be able to get another one. So we did decide just to purchase one outright for her. She also lives across the country. I'm from the Midwest. She's still in um, Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm from, and we're out in Connecticut. So it's also a little bit difficult to know yeah. what's going on when she, like, if she doesn't tell me over the phone or on a visit, I don't, I know I don't have the full picture. So um, yeah, that so I'm is, not
2: sure. that's a tricky situation because It's twofold. It's your mom and then your sister. Because does your mom is she renting an apartment and your sister lives with her?
3: Yes. Yep. So yeah, and and like I said, my mom still works. She's able bodied. I'm fortunate enough. My grandmother is still alive, so she's taking care of my grandmother as well. My grandmother is financially fine. Like she had savings and all of that. So, but um, yeah, but I do worry about. What will come, and I don't know. I just don't want it to be a position where it's like she has to move out here because it's so bad that we have to take care of her. I want to have something in place where we can help, but I I don't want her to. This sounds awful, but we couldn't have her live with us. Like she would need to live somewhere else. She's like a like a hoarder as well. So there's just a lot of layers of things happening. But um, yeah yeah
2: so, so this, is a, this is a question we usually asked which may come off as callous, but do you think your grandmother will leave her money?
3: I do actually um right. I think she'll be okay, and my grandmother still is lives at her like she owns her house, like it's the house my mom was raised in, um, okay. so I know that that you know they'll sell the house, and you know in my my grandmother has four children, so I'm sure everything will get divided up that way. The problem is my mom is not good with her money. She is just, it just flows like water to other people. Somehow she finds some quote unquote friends who always need her to help give rides or go to the grocery store, like our whole life. Like always, this is just who she is. She's just like an enabler, a very kind hearted person, but not good with boundaries, especially with money. So um, it slips
2: right through her fingers. Yes.
3: Yeah. So I, I'm not sure how long. Even if she got something from my grandmother, it wouldn't last. I don't think because there would always be some the- more. Yeah, yeah. Have you
2: ever thought about talking to your grandmother about it and just saying, voicing your concerns about your mother? I would imagine your grandmother probably has similar concerns. I don't know what her well. Sister-
3: so you're going to hear all about my family. So my grandmother still helps pay my mom's bills. My mom does not make enough money to be able to pay her bill. She works in a call center. Um, and so my grandmother subsidizes whatever she can't pay on her credit card. She is completely aware of the situation. And I don't know, maybe she's the one who started it. I'm not sure. And I think it's just my mom is very hardworking. She lives so frugally. It's unbelievable, but she just won't prioritize herself. And, and then my grandma helps kind of pick up the slack. And then I feel like that's now kind of what my mom is doing with my sister. And there's no real consequence for living outside of your means. Not that I want Mm -hmm. anything obviously to happen to people in my family, but I think there's just a disconnect.
2: Yeah. Well, and I could definitely, you and your husband have been so diligent about being financially sound and making sure you're making sound financial decisions and saving. I, I could definitely see where that is concerning because yeah, if anything happened to your grandmother, your mother can't make rent, and you're not only does that impact your mother, but that impacts your sister. right. So that could put you in a very tough position. and it, I think it is it makes it even harder that you're across the country, right. Yeah, we, we, it's something that we do actually see, like I've seen it before. Um, there's no perfect solution to it. As you can imagine, every family has different dynamics. I don't think it would hurt to maybe if you have a good relationship with your grandmother to say, you know, you're concerned about what what your mother is going to do if she goes to retire. I would imagine your mother will be eligible for Social Security since she has a job and is working and contributing to, to it through payroll. Um, I'm just would be curious what she's eligible for social security if that would then cover her basic needs, right? Like rent. The other thing that your mother might be eligible for, and, and I think these are things that maybe would give you some a, more security around your mom's situation, because that obviously is something that could impact you and your husband in the future. So it might be worth investigating now while everyone's healthy and working. Mm-hmm. Um, Your mom, if Social Security is her main source of income, she should be eligible for different state benefits. So, for instance, senior housing, where it's just a percentage of income. They're not the easiest to get into. So that's why I would say it would be worthwhile investigating it now, because it could be like a two-year wait to get into one of these apartment buildings that are subsidized.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. I think, um, well, I do know that she did start get collecting Social Security actually on her birthday, which was this past March. I was encouraging her to wait till she was 70 oh, because yeah, exactly. isn't that the max? It's- if you wait longer, you get more. Like if you're, you
2: get 8, you get eight percent increase a year that you wait from your full retirement age.
3: Yeah. So she luckily didn't do it at sixty five, but she did just turn sixty six, and I strongly encouraged her not to collect because once you start, just lose out on that. But she thought she could not make ends meet without it, so she did let me know. I think she said she's getting eleven hundred a month. I mean, granted out in the midwest it is cheaper to live so i do believe her apartment is like 550 something like that so she would have enough to pay rent and she's still working full time so she does have enough to pay rent, you know, food, things like that. I'm sure she's okay cuz that's in addition to her monthly income. But my concern is when she loses her monthly income, then what? And also I'm not sure with the senior housing. I don't know if she will live anywhere without my sister being taken care of. And my sister does not my sister has a lot of issues, but she has no intention of working. I'm not even sure if mentally she could. I think she's got some kind of undiagnosed situation happening um mental health wise, but I think my mom thinks she's protecting her by um you know having her live with her, but when the situation comes that she can't then I don't know, but I don't know if by choice she will ever move somewhere where my sister could not be with her. So that's a problem for another day. But
2: I would look into the senior senior housing, um, and I would find out if your daughter, um, if your daughter, if your sister could continue to live with her, um, Mm -hmm. even if like more of an informal situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, I think your sister is a, a whole other realm she should if she has some mental disability she should qualify for benefits but she'd have to go through that qualification process which is pretty
3: pretty difficult
2: um but yeah I know so that's a handful
3: yeah yeah so that's kind of why I want to have like not that I plan on paying for everything for my mom or anything like that but I do want to have kind of my own house in order just for the sake of if we do need to you know help get her closer to us or you know help pay for something like that um that's kind of always in the back of my mind
2: and I could see that's like being an impetus of like wanting to get your mortgage paid off so you have more cash flow so that if god forbid your mom has an emergency and it somehow trickles down into your life that you're prepared for it Um, right So yeah, no, I like the, I love the idea of being part of the fire revolution and like retire early and getting all of your debt paid off. And that gives you then, you know, once you free up the childcare and the mortgage, then you could really be saving your, almost your entire salary again, like you did prior. Mm -hmm. um, And you can be saving that just towards invest, you know, an an investment account. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would your thoughts be like, let's say, hopefully this plan of mine works and we can do it. Once we have this extra income, what direction should we go? Like, I I don't even know. Are we on the right track with kind of how we've allocated things? Is there other things that we haven't thought of that we should be considering?
2: So I love the idea of of paying off the mortgage early. And I, and I see the reason, you know, why having no debt and having more flexibility with your income, especially given um, your family's, your, you know, your mom's situation makes total sense to me. That would give you a lot of security to have no debt in your situation. Um, And then I think, I mean, you're doing a great job with your work retirement. You're both at 15%. You're getting an employer match. Your husband may be getting an employer match as well. Um, and then I would probably what I would do, you're going to do, you're doing the Roth, So I would get the Roth up. So where you're maxing out, so you're both doing, uh, the five, 5,000, um, cause you're under 50. Um, is it, or did it move
3: up to 6,000? I thought it was six for some reason. Right. <laughs>
2: anyway, we're in 2020. How could I forget? This is been the worst <laughs> um, with everything happening. Yeah. So 6,000 since you're under age 50, um, so that you're both, uh, maxing, maxing out your Roths because let me just see, I think, yeah, you're married filing joint. You have to be under 206,000, which you and your husband are in terms of income. So yeah, max, both maxing out the 6,000. And then once you, I like the idea of getting the mortgage paid off. And then once that's done, you could use that money. You could do two things. One you could just put the money in an investment account. Um, another thing that we see often is maybe if you wanted to buy another property and have a rental, because maybe then your mom could live in the rental. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you, you, you know, maybe 500 in rent, um, for that. And, but I would start with an investment account. Okay. Once the mortgage is paid off. Let me just see. So if you're doing 15% on your salary, because the other thing you could do is you could try and max out through work and this would be five years. Yeah. 19,500 is the, the limit that for what you can put into the 403B. So okay. you could always up, you could always up, you could do, you could do fold. you could up your retirement savings, um, and you could look, I don't know if it's eligible in either of your plans, but you could look to split it between the traditional and the Roth, right? So you could put more dollars into the Roth through the work plan,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? Cause the, the limit is 1000 you could, you know, add money, since you freed up 2300 in your budget you could each increase by 500 a month in your work plans and do that into the Roth plus do the Roth outside of work.
3: Oh, okay.
2: You see you do see what I'm saying so you, yes. you can do 19500. So then with the once you have the mortgage paid off and the child care cost is gone you could add money into both of your work, work retirement plans so that you're getting closer to the 19500 number but do it with the Roth dollars as well as long as you're both of your Employer plans offer Roth inside of it.
3: I know mine does. I'll have to ask, check with my husband for his. But okay, that's good.
2: What's the difference? And you see how you want to break it up. But I, you know, I, I think I feel I've always said on the podcast like I like the idea of having the traditional dollars because you get the tax break today. Also doing the Roth dollars because I think it's great to have both of them. Um, and then do your own investment account where it's a essentially private money, right? So it, it's not a tax-deferred account like retirement is, but you pay tax on it every year, but it's fully accessible to you if should you want it back in a few years. Okay. And then you're hitting each of the – so you then have all the debt paid off. You have a lot of money in the pre-tax. You're starting to then add more to the Roth options in the work plans and maybe Roth option outside of work. And then additionally, do your own investment account as well.
3: Okay. Sounds good. What are your thoughts? And I'm not sure if you know much about this, but not now, but maybe like in the next, I don't know, maybe 15 years, we had met with some, um, I'm trying to think with, I think I met with someone from the 403B company just to have like an annual review a few years ago. And they said to think about long term care insurance in like our 40s and 50s what are your thoughts on anything like that i don't know if you have any
2: so long term care insurance um i think is important i think i guess i think 40s is a little young for it my personal take
3: because mm-hmm.
2: we're about the same age and i definitely haven't thought about it not to say that because i haven't thought about it is a hard fast meaning rule that you shouldn't think about it but
3: Yeah, but I understand like likelihood 40 seems a bit young as well. Like you'd think pre-retirement, but not like in your 30s or 40s. Yeah, the only time
2: I would think about it in your 30s and 40s is if at work they said we have, you know, when they do the open enrollment and they give you like, oh, here are all the changes and here are the new things we're offering. If they say we have a really great long-term care benefit we're offering to employees, I would then consider it through a workplace plan because there's no health questions when they're doing it as a group like that. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. general questions, but typically it's not as it's very different going through uh, an open enrollment in a workplace plan where they're taking all employees versus getting it privately on your own, just you going and applying for it. I also think that, and this is my personal opinion, I think that the long-term care industry is going to change a lot from now until when we need long-term care, hopefully. Um, Mm -hmm. The way long-term care insurance started out was it was considered pure long-term care insurance, meaning that you paid for a long-term care policy and all it did was cover long-term care. Just like, uh, to give you a comparison, just like homeowners, you pay your homeowners insurance and if your house doesn't burn down, they don't ever give you the money back, right? Like you own your house for 30 years, there's your house never burns down. You never use your homeowners. At the end of 30 years, they're not like, oh, well, here's some of the money back. We never, You never used it. Mm-hmm. Same concept with pure long-term care. You pay for the long-term care policy. If you never need long-term care and you never use it, that's it. Just like you don't get any money back. It doesn't go to a beneficiary, nothing like that. They have started in more recent years coming out with products that have different features because people have been more hesitant to buy pure long-term care because- between a married couple, you could be spending a lot of money on long-term care. And after spending money, you know, paying those premiums for 30 years, if nobody uses it, which is the goal, right? Like nobody wants to go to a nursing home. Um, there right. is no, there is nothing for your beneficiaries. There's no money back or anything. So they've come out with other products such as uh, a life insurance policy with a long-term care writer stating that um, should you need long-term care, you could use some of the death benefit for it, which is interesting and um, and then the one that i think is the most interesting is considered a hybrid which is a combination of a, has features of life insurance and then features of long term care and i like that one the best because for me personally you pay for it it doesn't fully cover your long term care need it would cover a portion of it depending on what type of policy you buy but then if you don't use it the money goes back to a beneficiary
3: so oh. to me,
2: yeah to me, I like it because most people don't want to spend a lot of money on long-term care because nobody wants to go to a nursing home. But the reality is, in a married couple, it's very high likelihood that one of you will need, you know, in a partnership, one of you will need long-term care. But it, you know, it d- does tend to happen later in life. Usually, you know, my aunt went into a long-term care facility at 73. That was, I feel like, on the younger side. So it can happen at any age, but it tends to be older, like in your 80s. Um, it tends to be more female. females statistically outlive their male counterparts in a traditional marriage. Um, so, I like the hybrid policies. I think the hybrid policies will get better over the next ten to twenty years as as demand for that um, increases. So, I definitely think you should keep your eyes open and if anything's offered at work, I would investigate it to see if it's a good deal. That's my parents got there through my mom's uh employer. And thankfully she brought it to my dad's attention. My dad um, was also in this business. So he recognized that that was a really good opportunity. My mom would have never known because she didn't pay, you know, she knew to bring it to my father. My father was like, this is a good idea. We should both get this. Um, now that she's 70, she's like, I don't want to pay it anymore. I'm like, mom, now is not the time to quit on the long-term. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you
3: might to, need it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We don't want to quit at 70. we have been paying for it for 15 years. Like we don't want to quit now. Uh, right. you don't want to cancel it now. So she said that to be like, I don't really want to pay this. I was like, no, 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 no you need to continue to pay this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but I do so I do think that the policies get better. I think hybrid for me personally is more interesting because it has some features of life insurance where there's a beneficiary component and then other features where it's covering long term care. And in my opinion, these policies will only get better because I think the demand for them will grow versus pure insurance, it's a little bit of a harder pill to swallow.
3: Yeah, no, that definitely helps and make sense because it's something I didn't, I wasn't too familiar with, but the, I I don't know, I felt conflicted kind of with thoughts either way. So either paying for something that, you know, probably won't pay for what you need anyways, but also knowing Mm -hmm. if you don't have something that can just, be so much money out of pocket if you do need it, especially because in the name obviously it's long term. And I know um like my grandfather was in like an Alzheimer's assisted living Mm -hmm. type of place Mm -hmm. and it was just it was like over five thousand a month and it just seems like so quickly you could just get bankrupt, you know, with that don't want to pay for something that isn't going to cover maybe what you need anyway. So just kind of getting some more thoughts on that. I think that was really helpful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're a little young to do it, um, yeah. but I would keep it in the back of your mind that it's something that you should be considering, I think, in your fifties, 50s, late late fifties, 50s, um, early sixties is typically when I would recommend, because if we plan for a statistically needed long-term care event, it would happen in your eighties. That's mm-hmm. where we are today. And that could actually be pushed back further, right? You know, with longevity. So, I think right. that's
3: enough time to plan for it.
2: You're the, you're the person asking, though. That, so, that's a great question because I talk a lot about long term care planning with my day job.
3: Yeah, no, that's helpful because I don't know anything about it. So, <laughs> other than the title, so I think that does help a lot. And then, I guess, my other question is about um, the, the 529 account for my daughter. Um, I'm hoping she will want to attend the college where I work because she could go there for free, oh, but I'm wow. not, I wouldn't, obviously, that's her decision to make, but in the event that she doesn't use it or doesn't use it all What would that look like? We are not planning on having any other children. I'm done with my education. My husband's not going to get any more. I know you can transfer to other people. I don't foresee us doing that. What would it look like if she didn't use it or didn't use all of it? Is it just you pay on the gains when you take it out?
2: You would just pay on, you would just have to have, you would have some tax obligation on it, but it's not a huge, it wouldn't be a huge deal. You would, you, with the 529, you're not paying on it as it grows. So it's essentially tax deferred and then it comes out tax free. If it's used for qualified expenses, let's say she uses a portion of it. She decides to go to um, a vocational school or something like that. And then you don't need all of it or she doesn't, she decides not to go to college, whatever it may be. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe and I will have to check on this for you, I, you could always maybe keep it and then she could use it for her children is also, oh, yeah. I think, but let me check on that um, for you. But essentially what it would come down to, let's say you want to take it out and use it to help her buy a house, which is a likely scenario that we see, um, you would just owe taxes
3: on it. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's not bad. Yeah, because I'd rather err on the side of just saving and then giving having more options for her. But yeah, just know what would happen if we didn't use some all. so... Yeah,
2: absolutely. But I, yeah, I think it makes total sense to save for it, and then if you don't use it, then you know, pay the taxes on taking it out to use it for something else, like house, or I mean, maybe a. I would say house would be the most likely scenario.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, but that was that's a good. Thing. But I would say to you in terms of with insurance, I think your biggest risk right now is that someone predeceases, right? That you lose a spouse. Um, I think that's the bigger risk from an insurance risk at the standpoint. You have homeowners. That's a, you know, I don't know many people that have had their homes burned down, but it's important to have homeowners. And then it's important to cover that. God forbid you lose a spouse that you're able to make, meet your financial obligations, which is usually the mortgage. And then I would say long-term care would be something that you would start to plan for in your fifties or sixties. Okay. Unless it comes to work. work. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other questions for you? Maybe this is a really interesting one because we haven't had a lot of this stuff brought up before, like long term care
3: or what to do about a parent. No, I think that's really it. That put my mind at ease. I just, um yeah, the thinking about my mom is what keeps me up at night. <laughs> so, and especially yeah. coming, you know, from that and not having money and having to, you know, like I had to pay for everything myself growing up. And I just, I don't, I want to be in a better spot as an adult and then to be able to, help her when the time comes because she has done so much. And I just know that she's going to need it. So to, you know, to feel like I'm kind of on the right track with it is, is a good thing. And I think that really did help clarify a lot.
2: Yeah. And you should also check out every state has a government agency. I mean, it's government, but it's a little bit different per state. It's um, usually called the office for the agent or office of the aging. And they have a lot of resources for seniors, um And you can always look at their website or call them and do a call with them and see what would be available for your mom in Nebraska, like what, like the senior housing and what other benefits she would be eligible for. It's a it's a really great resource and a lot of people aren't aware aren't aware of it. And it's a government resource.
3: Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out.
2: Just to like relieve some of this stress, so that's not keeping you up
3: at night. Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds good.
2: Well, we'll wrap this up for our listeners. So um, for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram at Planancial to stay up to date with what we've got going on. And we have two free classes for you that are through our partnership with SUNY Ulster. And you can find them at www.planantial.com.